x minus 1 number of times, how many singles would it take in order for you to equivocate the player if he hit all singles versus the player if he hit one home run and made the rest outs? Like, what number would make those two players equal? If you go by slugging percentage. What? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Halo's Heaven Radio. I'm your host today, and my name is Rick Sadris. I am joined by esteemed colleagues Rahul Seti. Hello, and welcome, everybody. Oh, I see you're trying to change it up this time. And Jeffrey Tan. It's a pleasure to be here, all. And today we're going to be talking about who was great, who sucked last week. We're going to be talking about the upcoming week. And then we're going to move on very, very quickly because nobody wants to hear about that anyway. So jumping right into it, what are you guys, what are you guys impressions of the past week? Terrible. The record was 1-6. in six. We played seven games in seven days, even though there was a doubleheader, and it was not at all good. Maybe we, we don't like Texas anymore. Let's get out of Texas. It made me want to cry and also celebrate at the same time and drink heavily. Team Tank, am I right? Which is why I was thrilled about it, personally. I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better week unless we had... Well, we still couldn't have asked for a better week because Heaney had a great start, and that was really that's good to see. Yeah, that's be- that's better to right. see than than the alternative, honestly. Exactly. Right. So this was like literally a ten out of ten week for me. Um, absolutely loved it. Brian Goodwin continued to be Brian Goodwin, and everybody else sucked just like I hoped. <laughs> nah, well, David Fletcher is back. I think it's safe to say he hit three forty four, uh, eleven hits on the week, and after slumping for much of August and the latter part of July, it's good to see that. He's getting his hitting stroke back. And I noticed this year that he hits a lot of doubles down the third baseline. And I don't understand why people don't, why teams don't shift over. I guess it's because he sprays the ball, but I've still seen a lot of ground balls that go over the third base back and go into the corner for doubles. Huh. So I was wondering I what you guys thought. My impression of him is that when you try to shift on him, he intentionally goes the other way. He's what Simmons used to be, but he does it well. And he does it in a way that makes people want to uh, continue to play him. <laughs> That's true. You, you really... Ooh, ooh. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need five infielders <laughs> and two outfielders. But that would probably be a good choice, actually. Not even joking. Like Actually, using, using that kind of tactic against Fletcher would probably get him out more often than not. I feel like David Fletcher would intentionally change his approach to hit more... Um, really short hits to the outfield if you... Like bunts? Like, swinging just, bunts that go over infielders? Yeah, he's just <laughs> that kind of player. I think I think if you have three infielders on the left side and then the second baseman kind of... In the five infield scenario, you have him out like a little bit back of where... Because he doesn't hit many like nubblers to second. So if you have him a little bit deeper, he can still stop balls from going to the outfield and still have a chance at throwing out Fletcher at first on a routine-paced ground ball. Here's an idea. This is a little unconventional, but how about you kind of um, you have the third baseman play down the line, the first baseman play down the line, second and short are a little bit deeper, but they're still closer to the edges, 
and you really don't really have anybody up the middle because he doesn't ever go up the middle. Uh, he does sometimes. He, he does. Yeah, but I mean, a single is a single no matter what. But if you go down the lines, those are doubles every That's time. That's true. You're not really shifting him up the middle anyway, so a, a ball up the middle is probably getting through unless it's really slow. Exactly. So, I mean, that might be an idea for him, but... Well, not for him, to, for the other teams. <laughs> yeah. To help us prevent wins. <laughs> yes, because... <laughs> no, I like Fletcher stats, though, so they're pretty cool. I'd rather see them high. Yeah, they are Only good. two strikeouts in the seven games, three walks, so that's... He's back on track. A whopping 32 at-bats. Mm-hmm. Well, moving on. Only other thing I can see on the hit on the hitting side that was worth noting was that Pujols had the six RBIs, so he kind of did all the run support, even though that wasn't very much as a team anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really seems like when faced with the threat of going below 300 career batting average, he's stepping up. The yeah. RBIs have come when he's just grounding it to the right side like he's been doing a lot of the second half, and it's pretty cool to see. It it's proves fine. that he can do it when he wants to, you know? Definitely. I have nothing to add except uh, Albert Pujols not fielding that one ground ball to end the game and then the Angels going on to lose against the Rangers in the bottom of the ninth inning. You guys know which game I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I think it was I think it was perfect. I think he really was being a team player and hope to see more from him in the future for the next like what, three years? Yeah, you know, if he's if he's into team tank, uh, he wants this Angels team to be strong for as long as possible, and he wanted to save the pitchers, and he knew we'd probably lose that game anyway, so taking one for the team. Just like that one 15-inning Oriole game or something. 16. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That- I don't really think there's that much to talk about on the nah. other side. Stassi had two hits if you're into that kind of thing. More importantly, he had two walks. Two walks, yes. He knows what's up. In fact, his on-base percentage was like fifth on the team this past past week. Mm, Wow. If you have a Twitter account and you have a strong feeling about Max Stassi's play, then go ahead and at Jessica DeLine and then state your opinion about Max Stassi. She loves reading Stassi opinions. Exactly. (laughs) Under the pitching side... uh, yeah, I was about to say, on the pitching side, obviously we had Andrew Heaney, who was absolutely phenomenal in that one game. 14 had one strikeouts. Of the, yeah, 14 one of the strikeouts. best starts of the season for all players. It's got to be the best one, right? I mean, 14 strikeouts and just four hits across eight innings. It's incredible. Well, as I said in that one thing, um, strikeout minus walk rate-wise, he's kind of like fourth, so... Across For all, players. all major leaguers this season. Yeah, so oh, wow. that's a really, really good start. Yeah, he didn't walk anyone, which is incredible. all the more impressive, especially with how wild he is mm-hmm. and his lone, I mean, the home run ball. But that's Heaney. He gives up home runs, and you hope he can limit the walks. And he's always going to get the strikeouts. But that was just like peak Heaney, I think. Yeah, that, that game was absolutely incredible. Other than him, I only really liked what I saw from Robles, who had a pretty good week, but he still gave quite a bit of hits and walks, too. Um, and then also, I liked what I saw from Berea, mostly. 
Yeah, Barrio with two starts, 10, 10.1 innings. He allowed four runs, which is good for him. And mm-hmm. there was an article in the LA Times about from Maria Torres about how Brad Osmus had actually promised Berea the that he would make the opening day roster. And then Billy Epler went and traded for Chris Stratton, and then Berea was sent to Stratton to AAA. So it was kind of how that broken promise fueled him more, made oh, him want cool. to pitch better. And actually his worst starts have come when he's had an opener for him. He's actually been pretty successful in games in which he's started for himself. And I know that kind of bucks the trend of what I like to say. I think openers are generally effective. But if mm-hmm. a pitcher isn't comfortable with it and the numbers back it up, then let him open for himself. Well, look, in any case, I don't think that this, like him putting up worse numbers while having an opener is saying anything because he's only played 13 games this year. It's definitely not a conclusive sample at all. Right, and it's just, it's just the thing, the fact of the matter is that maybe he's just uncomfortable with openers and it might, it might be better for, if, he might be better if he's had a whole season of experience with them. Or whatnot, if he because he basically he said it's not his routine, and if it became his routine, he might be more effective. But as of now, we probably shouldn't open for him, just based off what he's saying and the numbers. I mean, we're we're just experimenting right now, so let him. Well, also, in all seriousness, with Berea, um, a lot of players had a really hard time in the beginning of the season with adjusting to the new extremely juiced balls. And a lot of Berea's really bad numbers came in the early part of the season when he was trying to adjust to it. So maybe a full season, and actually we've seen this in the past several starts from him, maybe a full season in Anaheim with juiced balls, or even he would Salt eventually Lake, start to bring pitching, it down. He's pitching with the, salt, the balls in Salt Lake, too. He re- if he realizes, you know, I can't give up just regular fly balls. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, that just reminded me, I'm really curious how Weaver would do. And probably not well, but it would be really interesting to see how he did in this climate. <laughs> he, he made the balls look juiced back then, okay? Yeah, and he got a lot of fly ball outs. I mean, love the dude, but I don't know if he would be pitchable at all in today's climate. The whole fly ball pitcher in general just would collapse. Yeah. Irvin Santana, all of them. They just they can't do it in this day and age. Unfortunately, because sometimes they're a joy to watch. You don't get a lot of strikeouts, but carve them up. Induce a lot of soft contact. The last guy I really wanted to mention about, though, was uh, Miguel Del Pozo, since mm-hmm. he made his debut with us, and he was pretty solid. I, I liked what I saw from him, and the run he gave up wasn't really his own fault. You know what's crazy? Is what? he's pitched in four games, and I haven't seen any of them. I mean, I watched I, the game, but I didn't see him appear, because I had to leave. I couldn't see any of them, so... So I actually don't know how he's how he's pitching. Raul, I'll have, have to wait till we're out of Texas. So I have not seen him either. I've been in, in and out of games for the most part, but I haven't seen him. <laughs> All, All I right. know is I think he allowed like what one walk, and then somebody else came in to replace him. And they get, oh, that was today. That was Butchery. He get, he allowed a, oh, yeah. a walk in his that's right. second inning of work, and then Butchery allowed the two run home run. So that's the only run he allowed all week. Not too bad at all. If you like whip like Jeffrey does, then that's pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, whip is good, but this is a really small sample size, so... You know, okay. <laughs> whip is good for large sample sizes. Oh, yeah? Really? You look at whip every teams. single week. Whip is good when I, when I like it. Career whip, though, I mean, like, you know... 
You look at it on a weekly basis. You look at Whip on a weekly basis. Exactly. <laughs> on every single week. Well, let's like, see what what's this whip? whip is. Oh, what's it's point three. That's pretty good, you know. Well, what's this good. whip, guys? You got a good whip. A great whip. <laughs> whip it up for Del Pozo. Woo! You know, he All is right. a lefty, so he could potentially replace, uh, you know, our old pal, uh, Jose Alvarez. I thought you were going to say Mejia. Oh, he, he works He could replace too. our old pal, Dylan Peters, who completely fell apart, and I regret saying anything positive about him. Yeah, you, you spoiled the you spoiled the fun. What was his whip this week? It was two point one nine. Thank you very much, which is pretty bad. <laughs> also, Chris Stratton's whip was two during his entire period as an angel, so that's should, not good. Should we use it? It seems like a small sample. I mean, are you discounting his bad start because it was a bad start, or are you factoring it in because you can do both? We can no, say I'm we can just... recognize the fact that he had a really bad start against the Astros, and. It may or may not have predictive value going forward. I'm just trying to give you a hard time. <laughs> I'm trying to the give you a hard other... time because you don't believe in whip. <laughs> <laughs> the only other performance that I thought was notable was that Taylor Cole was absolutely um, vomitrocious in his last appearance today. Uh, that was the kind of appearance that will get you DFA'd. So I hope that this isn't the end for him, but it sure feels like it might be after today. Yeah, in the last <laughs> month, Taylor Cole's got to be going from hero to zero. This is just, you really hope hope this is a rock bottom for him because he's made Astros guys look like MVP Hall of Fame type hitters. Get or 421 average. Because we started tanking in the last month, he's gone from hero to extra hero. You know what That's I mean? That's true. I gotta agree. I gotta agree with Jeffrey on this one. I mean, look at his stats over the past month. He's had 13.2 innings pitched with a 15 ERA, 23 earned runs allowed, a 403 batting average against. That is by <laughs> far the best on the team. And I gotta say that you know I'm looking forward to more from Taylor Cole over the next over the rest of the season. I mean, many... he was good last year. He was good for the first part of this year. You're telling me he just forgot how to pitch? Nah. Here, here's he definitely an, uh, has an agenda. Here's a question for you guys. So Taylor Cole has been used an abominable amount of times by our big-brained manager, Brad Osmus. No, he um, hasn't. So mm, I'm wondering, how many losses do you think that Taylor Cole has been responsible for in the last month? Not, not that not, many. Not like actual losses, but like runs that have either tied or given up the lead at some this point. Is, this is defamation, okay? He is at 43.2 innings pitched on this season. That's less than Bedrosian. It's less than Robles. It's less than Butchery. Taylor Cole has been eased into the season. And I think personally that we need to work him even harder at this rate because with a 15 <laughs> ERA, he's one of our MVPs at this point. Well, it's also defamation because you have guys like Luis Garcia and Trevor Cahill, who have been doing their thing and sucking a lot the entire season, and everyone's forgotten about them now, and everyone wants to criticize Taylor Cole now because all of a sudden he starts sucking. So what you're saying is you'd be criticizing him less if he had been sucking the whole year. That's unfair. That's defamation. All right. Exactly. I'm, I'm completely with Jeffrey on this. Over the last <laughs> – over the listen to this. Over the last 30 games, his ERA is 7.13. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's 
Wow. That sounds like a team player to me. That he knows seems... what our goal is. He knows what Epler has envisioned for the has envisioned for this team. <laughs> Taylor Cole is all aboard, and I think that he more than anybody embodies the spirit of the Angels. Even more so than Mike Trout. Even more so than Mike Trout. Mike <laughs> Although Trout, Mike Trout is doing his own impression, but that's a, he's that's, trying. Yes, he's trying. <laughs> all right, let's give it up for Taylor Cole, everybody. Clap. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of him. So what's what do we got for next week? <laughs> Let's look it up real quick. <laughs> We're speed running this thing. Come on. Efficiency. <laughs> Rangers and Lock. Red Sox. So we we all predicted so I predicted two and four this week. Or this past week. Rick, I know you predicted two and four as well. No, no. I said four and three. Oh, yeah. You were optimistic. That's right. Exactly. Because I know how to game the system. You say positive things, you get negative things. So you're going to be positive again this week? Huh? You're going to be positive again this week? I don't know. Maybe I'll be realistic. (laughs) (laughs) And then it won't work. But anyway, we see the Rangers again. We saw them last week. We see the Red Sox. We saw them the week before last. So it's a bunch of teams we've seen before. And Texas is only a two-game series for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. Which is bad because the Angels are bad against Texas. Well, yeah, yeah. It's Mike Miner. We, we, we roughed him up last time against Andrew Heaney. So that actually could be a win. but And we, we still got the loss on that one, right? No, no, no we won Heaney's game. But Mike we lost Miner didn't pick. My oh, that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we what you were insinuating. Start. Yeah. Okay. So that that one actually that's a toss up. You know, I we might win that one. Okay. You never trust Andrew Heaney. That's Even true. Even after he has a 14 strikeout, eight inning pitched, one earned run game, you never trust him to do the same thing the next game. Yeah, and he's seeing the same team, so you really. That's true. That goes really against the pitcher. Say. Okay. Uh, so the second game in that series is Ariel Harado, who has been pretty bad with a 7.52 ERA and a 1.75 whip in his last eight outings. Ooh, whip. Yeah, whip. I love it. And versus Patrick Sandoval, <laughs> who was pretty bad against the Rangers too. So That's a loss. I mean, those are two. That, that's home run season right there on Wednesday. <clears throat> Dinger season. Get your gloves. Hey, I, I did want to say this really fast, just taking a quick look. Um, for Heaney's home away splits, he's been far and away better away than he's been at home. Um, his batting average against away is 195. Okay. Um, his slugging against is 331. OBP against is 267. At home, it's 254, 319, 492. So wow. it's... It's pretty extreme splits, actually, home and away. I wouldn't have expected that. Obviously, one game, one eight-inning game could kind of inflate the numbers a little bit, but at the same time, that's an extreme difference. So it's not just one game. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. So, yeah, I'm going to pick minor on that one now. <laughs> yep. Um, over the weekend against the Red Sox, so I just looked up the Red Sox depth chart on MLB.com, and they're almost—they're in almost as bad shape as we are. 
Their rotation yeah. on MLB.com currently reads, one, Rick Porcello, who is the pitcher we beat. So we beat their ace, essentially. <laughs> um, number two, Eduardo Rodriguez. Three, Nathan Iovaldi, who was their closer just last week. <laughs> and then lefty Brian Johnson. Didn't we also tee up off him? Yeah, Ooh, we did. He killed us, didn't he? No, we did well off Johnson. Oh, we did? There was another guy that was new for them that we got killed by. Johnson was a 13-run game or something. That was a revenge game. <laughs> oh, that was so... the one we, we won. No, we won no, the Porcello no, no. game. We did well off Johnson, but we still lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, like, their rotation's in pretty bad shape. Okay. And they're using... They're using por- they're using Porcello and Rodriguez before. Although we could see Porcello oh, on Sunday because he's see pitching I see, Tuesday. I see what it is. Brian Johnson was the quote unquote opener. He's not really an opener. He's like a long reliever starting. They're doing uh, bullpen day. So they have a sucky starter in Porcello, Eduardo Rodriguez, their closer, and a long relief pitcher in the rotation. I know Sounds... we shouldn't criticize because our rotation is nowhere near as good as theirs, <laughs> but that's still funny to see. It sounds like they're still going to annihilate us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to seeing some 15-14 games, you know? Like, these are pitchers with real experience. <laughs> <laughs> so the Red Sox conveniently have a bunch of off days, which Desecrate. helps. Desecrate them as you may, but they're still real pitchers. Yes, that's true. They have they have some off days, which will help them fine-tune the rotation. So we could see everyone but poor, everyone but Eduardo Rodriguez, who is pitching Wednesday. Because Porcello is pitching Tuesday, so we'll probably see him Sunday. And then this Brian Johnson fella and Ivaldi. So that will be fun. Wonderful. We have everyone but but Heaney and Sandoval. So that's Peters, Berea, and Suarez. Okay, I think I'm ready to make my prediction. All right. One and four. One and four, okay. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we might as well win the Porcello game for me. La- last week, I was optimistic. I said two and five. I said two and four, even though they were playing seven games. Um... I'm not going to be that optimistic this time. One in four. Rick? Uh, we've just been so bad lately. If I'm being realistic, I'm going to say one in four. I think I'm going to be as realistic as possible and say two and three. I think that's... That's the realism we're looking for here. We're going to rise to the occasion <laughs> on two instances. I mean, technically, we lost three close games to Texas, if you're looking through the mirror. I don't, actually, that's not the right phrase. I can't think of the phrase. <laughs> looking through. If you're examining if you're the looking closely, glass. we could have won some of the Texas games. <laughs> so I actually see a 2-3 week in the cards. Well, Bad. I'll tell you what. I was using my jeweler's loop, and... I was convinced that <laughs> I was convinced that Texas had us wrapped around their finger the whole time, and they were playing with us. Toying? So, no, they were playing. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> so, Jeffrey, you had a question for us now that we've made our predictions. Yes, we, we decided not to bore the, our listeners' valuable time by talking about what happened this past week, 1-6, and, and what's going to happen next week, 0-5 probably. Uh, decided to talk about some other things today. Namely, fun topics as how many sing if if you have a hitter, and he goes up to at bat x number of times. If he hits one home run and makes outs, the other x minus one number of times. How many singles would it take in order for you to equivocate the player if he hit all singles versus the player if he hit one home run and made the rest outs? Like, what number would make those two players equal? If you go by slugging percentage, then it's four. Because if a player hits four singles, then, you know, he hits four bases and four at-bats, and it would be one home run and three outs, which is also many, four bases and four at-bats. How many plate appearances are you assuming? Also, are we no, assuming... No, no, no. Are assu- we, uh, like, it could be a number, in a decimal number. It could be... it's. More than one, right? Because we know a home run is more valuable than a single. And there is no upper limit. You could say a home run is as valuable as 150 singles. So if a hitter hit a one home run and made 149 outs, that would be equal to, you'd be equal in value if he hit 150 singles. That's my question. It could be 3.5. Assuming no sequencing, right? No sequencing, like, just like that's his progression. Just he hits, a pure basis. Yeah, like, okay. he, he hits a single every single time versus he hits a home run once every 10 at-bats, which would give him a 10% chance of hitting a home of run each time. Yeah. Hmm. What are you thinking, Rick? What's your initial impression? My initial impression... How about you go first, Rahul? <laughs> I'm tongue-tied. So here's what I'm thinking, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, because you're assuming that they hit only singles, like no outs, right? Yes. Okay. If that's the case, and you're assuming how many singles versus a home run. A home run and the rest outs. Ugh. I mean, I assume it depends on I the team. I would say team. three. I assume I it depends on the singles. team somewhat. Because well, you're like, not you're not assuming anything else, like right, right. Just based on like a vacuum, the pure value. Yeah, I would say three singles. Personally. So three singles equals one home run and two outs. Correct. Okay. Well, I, oh, wait, 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 wait. I think it's one home run and three outs. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, because the number of outs—it's in the same number of bats. Because like, let's assume that a hitter can ch- change his approach if he goes up ten times. What? He, for hypothetical, that's my question. Like, do you give ten at bats to this person who hits okay, a bunch listen, of singles? This is, this is what I was thinking. Okay, I wasn't assuming any outs when I said it. Uh huh. Okay, assuming zero outs, like one home run in a game, nothing else happens. They get pulled or whatever, right? Okay. I equivocate that to three singles in my mind, and the reason for that is this: because one home run leaves other plate appearances to other batters or the same or, batter exactly so there are other opportunities but there are also other opportunities for failure too three singles with no outs means that the on base percentage remains 1000 for three plate appearances which is longer than one obviously 
And so as a result of that, when you have three singles in a row like that, I think that it's not quite four like total bases. I think that it would just be a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Well, because what if- you're not getting any outs, but you're keeping those same plate appearances consistently safe as well. Whereas one home run leaves the ability for other... It's... Okay. Runners it parallels to... Before, to it parallels to what I've been saying about Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. about why I don't like the fact that Shohei Otani conserves a roster spot. It can be good if the team is good enough, but if the team is not good enough like the Angels, then what that means is that you leave open another roster spot for another failure, and that failure will happen <laughs> nine times out of ten. Wait, so isn't it good then? I'm I'm very confused. Oh, so you're saying because he saves a roster spot from a sucky player, for for a sucky exactly. player. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. If he wasn't saving that roster spot, then what would happen is it keeps a sucky player from being on the team. And it's a similar thing with the home run versus the single. The home run allows for more suckitude to come down the road. Okay, but what if you knew that it was going to be outs? If it was going to be one home run and two outs? Because that's generally how power hitters are, you know? They hit one home run, strike out. Why would you not, why would you not assume three outs? Usually, almost always, it's four plate appearances for a player. Well, I'm just asking how many singles equals... How X number of singles equals one home run and X minus one number of outs. That, that was my initial question, and you kind of bastardized it a little. But that's fine. It's an interesting discussion as well. Well, I'm sorry for bastardizing your question. Okay. <laughs> if I'm assuming two outs, I'd, if you have to round it up to a full single, so I'd still say three, but I'm closer to two on that point. Well, huh. well I'm saying you should have the number of singles first and then you get the number of outs not not the other way around like i'm not asking you what a home run and two outs is equal to i'm asking you how many singles would be equal to a home run that that's what you just said which is why i'm saying that it would be on the upper level of two point x closer to three so i'm rounding up to three singles but less than three singles is what you're saying because you prefer a single three singles to a home run and two outs Jeffrey, I think you're confusing yourself. All right, anyway, Rahul, <laughs> your answer? I'm going to go ahead and say somewhere in between three and a third and three 3.5. Yeah, I think that's, that's where I'm, I'm at, say. too, like 3.5. That, that's sort of where I'm going to say where, where if you sequence those in one inning, then they could potentially lead to an extra base, which is equal to the home run. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I would say around three and a half. But like you said, it's entirely context-dependent as well. Right. It depends on the player. Yeah. It depends on their position in the lineup. depends on a whole bunch of things. Right. So in but my that's... opinion, in a vacuum, it's below three, but slightly, in your opinion, it's slightly above three. Right. Well, that's what makes this fun is that we don't have the con- – that's what makes this fun is that we don't have the context. 3.3 is not a lot above. Well, I said 3.5. It's 3. not enough 5. to make it round up. I said 3.5, but also 3.3, I wouldn't say is slightly above 3. That's significant. Yeah. Yeah, but it still rounds down. Right, but you're not... Like, there's <laughs> right, difference. but you said, you said, two point, you said 2 point X. 
I said yeah. the upper levels of 2.x, which would round up to 3. Right, so that is a big difference. So it's like half a... Yeah, because if, if it's 2.8, that's half, that's, that's half a single, you know, for 3.3. From my number, but I'm saying from 3, that's not that big of a difference because it's still the same number in the end. Well, in it's, reality, it's a third of a single almost. So, well, well, but you're not you're not rounding though. Yeah, it's you're, you're you shouldn't round. You should take it in in value. All right. Anyway, anything else you want to talk about or share on this issue? Yes, um, I did have a entirely different, non probabilistic and mathematical question for you <laughs> i'd like to hear it i love non-probability questions so at this point in the season where do you feel like david fletcher should be slotted in the lineup for next year for next year do you feel like he should still be the leadoff man or do you think that there's a better spot for him well i talked about a little bit how for the first time in my life, I'm of the opinion that Trout should hit third, especially if we're going to roll with Stassi next year, and he's probably going to hit ninth. And the way Trout is selling out for power, uh, I don't know if this will continue. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a phenomenon that is just the later part of this season. But I will say if everything turns out right, if he continues hitting like this, slugging a lot, striking out a decent amount, and not walking, and well, he's walking, but not hitting as many singles as before. And if Tommy Lastella turns returns strong in September, I would say David Fletcher should hit second behind Lastella in front of Trout, especially with Otani not playing every day. That's what I'd like to see. So Tommy Lastella, then David Fletcher, then Mike Trout. Yes. Then Otani when he's playing, Upton when he's not. Um, then Pujols if he's still here, and Calhoun if he's still here. The rest of the lineup is unknown at this point. What about you, Rahul? I would have, um, assuming Tommy Lastella comes back and looks similar to how he's looked this season, I would slot Tommy Lastella at leadoff, Trout at two. And David Fletcher would probably be my number three or number four, depending on whether Otani is playing or not. But that's unrealistic, that's though. Like, that's, that's very unrealistic. He, that's not well, what Rick asked. <laughs> that isn't what I asked, technically. Yeah. But, um, so you think that David Fletcher would be the run scorer? Yep. Well, I would prefer Fletcher at 3-2 if it was realistic. And then I, don't, after, I just don't see that happening. And then after Fletcher, I'd put um, Cole Calhoun, because he's probably going to be re-signed. Why do you have above? Why do you guys both have Fletcher as idealistic, ideally, a an RBI producer? Because um, we need those. Because he's clutch. I know that's not a thing, but he. So okay, he that's what I thought you were gonna go with. Okay. Okay, well, not because not okay. That was the first thing that came to my head. The reasoning <laughs> is because he can do hit and runs with Trout, and I like to see Trout on the move again tr- because Trout has a has a good on base percentage. And because if Trout is on first and or second, then Fletcher can score him a lot more than the other guys. The thing with Upton, and Upton scores a lot of run runners from home runs. 
so we're not utilizing the speed of Trout. So Upton should hit behind guys who get on base some, but who aren't necessarily fast. In addition, because Upton strikes out so much, he strands a lot of runners at the same time. In fact, you talked a lot last week about how he's not clutch, which I think isn't... It's interesting. I don't have an opinion on it. Uh, I don't have a formed opinion on it. I would like to see the rest of this season and next season. But to be have Upton hitting behind Trout, even for quote-unquote protection, is not the most efficient use of resources because Trout gets on base so much and because Upton doesn't cash him in so much. Like, the home run is equally as valuable from the bottom part of the lineup, but I'd rather see someone who can put the ball in play and slap more hits with Trout and Lestello on base than, than the home run or bus guy, which actually ties into the point we were making before. My question, but that's something else. Well, I mean, it kind of does sound like you just said that Upton's not clutch, and that's why you want him batting lower. No, but... I'm, he, he hypothetically <laughs> could be clutch, but his Got profile him. of hitter, I don't want behind Trout. The home run or bust hitter. So you're saying, in theory, he could be good. Um, in theory, he could be good, but looking at his... <laughs> His seasons that he's racked up of like his 820, 850 OPSs, it's a lot of strikeouts and a lot of home runs. And I just don't want to see that behind Trout as of now. If you want, he can hit leadoff because he so, can, you can maximize his at-bats if you want to get crazy. He, you can maximize his at-bats while having the fewest number of at-bats for him with runners on would be leadoff behind Stassi. So... Realistically, um, if David Fletcher were to bat third behind Trout, do you not think that his ground and double play tendencies would be just as much of a problem as Justin Upton's and Albert Pujols's? I would like to see him on the move more, on Trout on the move more, like a lot more. So you're assuming that he changes it? Oh, okay, so you're assuming well, if you're if you're saying yeah. that if you're saying I, that we could be as crazy as we want well, and have I, David I get, Fletcher I get what you're saying third. though. Yeah. It, it, to summarize what I'm saying. Okay. To summarize what you're saying is. If you were to have David Fletcher behind Mike Trout, that would also mean that Trout was stealing more again. Not stealing, in motion. I don't need Trout to be stealing. I just want him in motion. If he's on first... Runs. Oh, okay, so hit and runs. Okay. Yeah, I would actually like to see Trout steal less, but I trust Fletcher enough to make contact that having Trout in motion would, wouldn't necessarily mean more steals, if that makes sense. So Runners in motion, stay in motion. I I definitely agree about Jeffrey's earlier point about Trout batting third. Um, I did not used to feel that way, just like him. And I have and we switched... t- we independently made this conclusion. We didn't talk to each other and make this conclusion totally. C- correct. Yeah. The thing is, um, based on the way the ball is currently, I believe that Trout sold out for power. With as a conscious effort, as a result of the ball being so flyy, um, <laughs> because it's so easy to knock it out of the park, it doesn't make sense to try to walk with it being this easy to hit a home run as it currently stands. If the ball is changed again and goes back or regresses to what it used to be or closer to what it used to be, I think he might unsell out again and shift back into his more patient approach. And if that's the case, I prefer to be batting higher up, like first or second. Yeah, that's fair to but say. If, yeah, as it I currently agree. stands, I think he sold out for sold out for power on purpose, 
And so I think he should be, should be batting third or fourth because he's changed his approach completely. Can it's I so play, obvious. Can I play devil's advocate? Oh my god! You always do. Okay. I swear to god. I, this is this is a, this is something I don't necessarily believe, but something that's interesting. So H-T. Tango Tango Ta- Tango Tiger on Twitter the other day had an interesting stat that said that Trout has mishit the ball more this year than last year. So his upper percentile, like his the hardest hit balls, he's hitting them at the same rate, but the the lower percentile of batted balls. Um, they're actually slower than they were in 2018, which means he's mishitting the ball more. So my conspiracy theory, which I don't believe, but what if this were true, is that Trout's actually worse than he was last year, either because it's just an off year for him or because he's injured, and the juiced ball is hiding that. It's hiding the fact that he's regressed a little with the stats. And we could see something different next year so i do think that in a i think that if the balls were the same as his current approach stands he is worse overall than he was last year however i still think that he made that change yeah because of the current state of baseball and he knows that he's taking advantage of the situation for example, if he was on the Red Sox, would he continue to try to go straight away, or would he continue, or would he try to pull the ball more? He has obviously pulled the ball more this year than in years past, because he's trying to hit it over the fence, because he knows that the ball is easier to hit over the fence. When you sell out for power like that, you're usually going to hit the ball worse. Yeah, and it's it's also interesting to note that his power surge, quote unquote, came in July when the Angels were falling out of contention. So if he did make a concerted effort to hit the ball out of the park more, because actually it should be the other way around. If he realized that the Angels were falling out of contention and he wanted to do whatever the heck he wanted, I think it's Chase who likes to say, I feel like Mike Trout could lead the the league in whatever category he wanted to lead the league in if he put a concerted effort into it. So if he decided, made a conscious decision to say, hey, the team's not going anywhere this year again, this sucks. I'm just going to hit as many home runs as I can and try to lead the majors. Mm-hmm. That would be some. That would be cool. Um, I, I completely agree with Chase in that regard. I think yeah. he's just like what people used to say about Ichiro, where they were they, they used to always say that you know if Ichiro wanted to hit for power, he could have been one of the one of the better home run hitters in baseball. They said that all the time. Yeah, and he didn't. That wasn't his approach. <clears throat> I think that if Trout puts his approach to a certain degree, if he Focus his approach on something, he makes it better, no matter what it is. And we've seen that every single year. He has chosen something to improve, and because he's focused on that one thing, that same year, he gets incredible at it. Every single time he puts his mind to one thing. Can I guy can I give you guys a stat? Sure. Sure. Trout's launch angle in twenty eighteen eighteen point six degrees. In 2019, this season, 21.5 degrees. Yeah. Huge, huge jump. That it's, is a big jump. It's not an accident. You know, it can't be an accident. Yeah, and if the ball changes again, he'll shift. He'll switch back. He'll switch back into on-base percentage drought. But as as things currently are, he should be batting third or fourth 
because he's changed his approach intentionally, he's made a concerted effort to be more valuable to the team. It's very obvious. I think he's done the right. I think he's made the right decisions. Honestly, if I'm like to, to hit for the, more the power, joke utilitarian. Yes. I think he, I think that his sacrificing on base percentage for power, it is very rarely a good choice. But I think in Trout's case, he has made the correct one. Okay. Um, another thought I had was I don't necessarily know if. He he's being more. I know he's hitting a lot of home runs that are like, oh, you know that I didn't think that ball should have gone out. It looked like a lazy fly ball, but Trout kind of muscled it out. My next thought is that if he had had the approach that he'd been using all these years, line drives, singles and walks, he might have equaled or come close to the home run total, forty-two right now that he put up just because the line drives would be flying out at higher rates and he'd be even more successful doing it. Because right now, because he's mishitting the ball more, he's losing opportunities to hit the ball out of the park even though he's selling out for power. I don't know if that makes any sense. I think my point is that I prefer Old Trout and I'm trying to justify it. <laughs> I, I like Old Trout as well, but I think that he's made the right decision as a team player. And I think that I think that he's doing the exact same thing he did in 2014. In 2014, I think he did something very similar. That's true. He was different in 2014. Yeah. And I think that he's made the right choice, but his team just can't. They can't keep up. To be honest, he's 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 a 10 win player on a 50 win team. I mean, that's that's the sad truth. Yeah. At the rate we're winning right now. Uh, after the Dodgers series, I think Eric in Portland posted that it was a 48 win. Um, I'm losing the word for it, but it'd basically be 48 wins if extrapolated out to the whole season. Our record. Pace? Yeah, that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely think he's made the right decision, but I think that once again, the team's let him down, and um, we all know that there's no hope for that in sight, so. He's got to become a 20-win player in order to get to the playoffs. Eh, I don't know if we'll make or, it then. Or if we sign Garrett Cole and actually have a good offseason. We're not signing, we're not signing Garrett, Garrett Cole. Cole. <laughs> yeah. not happening. Everyone keeps saying we're going to. Even the beat writers are saying it. We're not getting Cole. Honestly, if I were Garrett Cole, I'd just not do it because I don't want to feel like my decision is being forced. And if everyone's saying I'm signing with the Angels... I'm definitely not signing with the Angels. That's something I would do. I'm just genuinely surprised that they ha- that, that Garrett Cole and the Astros haven't already signed an extension. Well, he Garrett Cole, I feel like he wants to test the market. Uh, yeah, he's... So we'll see what happens. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys who wants to test the market. Yeah, and do you really, if you're the Astros, do you really want a lot of money locked up into three starting pitchers? Albeit they're very good, but they're also the top two guys, Verlander and Granke, are older. So I don't necessarily know. The one, the one thing that made me doubt that they'll sign him again is because they got Granke. Because yeah, much like when we let Granke walk and got Josh Hamilton. It feels like they're doing a similar thing with Garrett Cole and Zach Granke. Zach Granke is making a ridiculous amount of money, and Garrett Cole's going to be like, well, really? You're not going to pay me? 
that might be the only thing. Like, it might be kind of an offense where he's like, where they're like, you know, we're going to pay 30 something million a year for a pitcher, but it's just not going to be you. Yeah, yeah if they possibly. offer him like an extension. Six but I don't years, think he's going to the Angels. Per. I think the Yankees will be a big play player, as always. And the Dodgers... I think the Dodgers will probably try to sign Ryu, re-sign Ryu. But if Garrett Cole falls to them... There's plenty of other suitors where it's not like the Angels are Cole's only option, per se. I mean, I they're, feel like the they're, Cardinals are a good fit for him, too. Nationals, They're maybe. going to be plenty of teams that are willing to shell out the money for Garrett Cole. Nationals, and, if Strasburg opts out and goes somewhere else, that could be it. Can be a nice replacement, get a better pitcher. Yeah, right. And we'll see what the Angels do, um, if anything. If anything, but the problem the problem with the market is I don't think that the secondary tier starters are that good. I like. There's no potential Lance Lynn hiding. You know what I mean. So it's like the four aces. I guess there's Odorizzi, but he's going to definitely be overpaid. Zach Wheeler's good. Okay, Zach Wheeler. Yeah, that's a debate for another day. But he's Zach Wheeler will be paid. <laughs> How is it a debate for another day? It's a lot Remember, of strikeouts. He's the one who, really good. He's the one who wasn't fond of Zach Wheeler. I just didn't understand <laughs> what then people he saw in Zach and was like, Wheeler. Oh, wow, he has been good. Because he's had one and a half good seasons. And, and that's enough I in guess, this age. I guess the Mets, that's enough in this age to get paid. Do you want to pay a guy yeah. with one and a half good seasons? Yes, I know you, you guys think he's been... So wait a second. I wait would. a second. You're going to say that Zach Wheeler having one and a half good seasons isn't enough of a reason to pay him, but Garrett Cole having two good seasons... Is oh I don't think we should sign Garrett Cole at all. I think he's a trap. I think I'm he's not a saying bust. for us. I'm just saying overall. Like <laughs> well, Zach Wheeler has been good almost as long as Garrett Cole. Zach Wheeler has put up in the last two seasons. Zach Wheeler has put up 7.5 wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs. Well, to be fair, that's not as high as mike trout and i also so don't like go. i don't like fangraphs war because it overvalues strikeouts and we see we see this with lance lynn i have no opinion on lance lynn i just yeah lance not, lynn has been good the well, rangers have cheated him out of runs he's not well, jeffrey, yeah well jeffrey you like era i don't like era i don't so like we can, ERA we can agree we can agree to disagree on that i don't so, like i don't like era a lot i look at fip is well, like a general measure, but I just think that there's no. It's hard to value pitchers if you the don't Mets, watch them. Lance Remember, the Mets is pretty good too. The Mets have the worst defense in the league. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Jeffrey's I, I just, whole worldview is shaking. <laughs> I just worry about. Okay, we signed Jeffrey's Zach Pozart like, after one and a half good seasons. What's look his what whip? What's his whip? It's like 1.27. Thank you very much. It's pretty What's bad. His whip? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how the Mets defense is that bad. I haven't watched them, obviously. That's an interesting fact. If you, It's like Seattle-level defense because they kind of suck. <clears throat> uh, to be fair to uh, Lynn, though, he does pitch in Globe Life. so I think Lynn's That's... good. I just don't think he's Cy Young caliber. 
especially globe life during the juice ball era. That's not easy to deal with. To that's be that's fair. <laughs> and I guess maybe he feels that he needs to strike guys out because he can't trust anything that goes in the air at Globe Life Park against him. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, anyway, back to my <laughs> original point. There's no, after the four, quote-unquote, quality starters, Cole, Ryu, um, Wheeler, and who was the fourth? Someone else. Oder is he? Is that no. who you're going for? No, Strasburg? Okay, anyway. Uh, Darvish? Okay, those are potential guys. I'm just saying there's no... <laughs> the second tier market isn't there, so we pretty much have to go after one of the top guys. Um, we can't fall back because if we fall back, oh, there's Roark, right? Matt Harvey. Oh yeah, Roark. Um, I want Tanner Roark still. I, I like him a lot. But the A's are probably gonna extend him. I think maybe he's gonna get a, get a team friendly deal for the A's. To be honest, I really like. I know Andrew was arguing with us about this, but I think firmly that. If we literally just had a bunch of three number threes or number fours, and not a bunch of sixes and sevens like we do, we no, we realistically be... be contenders. Yeah, I just don't see. I don't see the number threes and number fours on the market other than Roar. Like, who else is there? I don't know anyone off the top of my head, but I think everyone's been signing extensions. Well, and we've already discussed this at length, but the extensions happened because. We didn't identify the stock the stock market the market, and we didn't take advantage of it when it was when we actually we are the ones who created this situation by extending Trout. You can you can argue that Arenado was the first one, but Trout being extended set the tone for everything else. So we're not going to be getting a lot of players. Oh Free yeah, agency it's, it's... is going to be dead. Yeah, I think the CBA is gonna gonna change a lot to kind of facilitate more player movement. But I think Rendon, yeah, have to. Rendon's probably a obvious candidate to resign with the Nationals. He just wants to hit free agency. I th- I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna come down to our player development, and that's looking pretty bleak for the next few seasons, considering how good the Astros are. Overpromise and underdeliver. I did have one other thing I wanted to talk about. Um, sure, seven minutes left. So about Joe Adele. <laughs> oh, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to do the the break in the middle. We were supposed to do a break in the middle. We got this email from the pod the the powers that be in charge of the podcast, and they we said can, do we a break. can change this around. We can edit it around. Okay, okay. The if pod- you're listening to this and there was a break, then sorry. We hope hey, you enjoy guys. this ad. Yeah, well, there's an ad right here. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were saying about Adele? My bad. So, about Adele. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so with Joe Adele, what's your guys' opinion on how we should approach him for next season, Cole Calhoun, and Justin Upton? What... How do you guys think we should approach the uh, the next season? I think he's good enough. At this point. That at this point, I think he's good enough that despite his AAA stats you bring up in September and you still start him in the year. I don't see the point of, like, if you need, if you wanted to do service time manipulation, you'd have to wait until the end of May, and I don't know what we'd be doing. We don't know who's going to be available in the outfield. We don't know what kind of discount Calhoun's going to give us to remain if we decline his option. I'd rather see Adele in center fields. 
or not center field, in, in the outfield in September, play him for 30 games, and then opening day, the job is his if he wins out, if he wins. Yeah, I would do something similar. Um, Justin Upton at this point, like, what are, what are you doing out there? <laughs> Justin Upton should be a first baseman. He's, he's not an outfielder. I'm sorry. Justin Upton, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. You're not an outfielder anymore. <laughs> we don't know if he ever Justin was. We, we never watched him. So, like, he could have been this bad his whole career. We appreciate you, Upton. We really hope, we really hope that you have a great career. You, you basically love- said he's not clutch last week and this week. <laughs> So no more can, nice words for Upton from can, you. He cannot be clutch and also be an, a, a, a valued listener. So thank you, Upton. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Upton, if you're listening, leave we value comments. we value your listening. Thank your you. ears are appreciated. <laughs> um, <laughs> Justin Upton, uh, might is probably going to be an angel. Um, so he should yeah. be a first baseman. Slash DH. Especially um, since Otani won't... I mean, at this point, I know I, I like to see Otani hitting full-time uh, because I like his battle a lot. you agree with me? Oh, my God. No, no, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's up in the air. I think it would be cool for... I think he'd be very valuable as a hitter full-time. But I do want to see him pitch because he leaves open... Because right now he's hogging the DH spot and he can't throw. So that's bad. But... Um, Getting someone else in the DH role opens spots at first base for others like Pujols and Upton. Um, I think the f- added flexibility is a bonus. So I just want to see Otani pitch at this point because it's really cool to see him pitch. And, and also because to the ha- flexibility. Also to, ha- to have pitchers, that would be cool. Um, anyways, yeah, we don't back, know. If- back, to, back to what I was saying. Sorry. Um, so Upton to first base slash DH. Um, hopefully for the next month they call up Jared Walsh and we see what he can do. Obviously we know what Matt Dice can do, so that's not, you know, that's not really a factor there. Um, but in terms of the outfield, obviously you have Trout at center. I would put Adele in right field. Um, and then whether they want to sign Cole Calhoun or not is up to them. But I have a feeling that they're going to decline the option and then try to re-sign him in free agency to some sort of one-year deal. Um, gotta love those one-year deals, but I think they're going to try to bridge that gap in one of the outfield spots by re-signing Cole Calhoun and then obviously still have Brian Goodwin as the fourth outfielder guy in case you know they decide to get rid of Cole Calhoun for some reason. Um, that's the way that I see it playing out. Justin Upton's not a viable option in the outfield at this point, and they've given him ample opportunities to prove that he hasn't done that. So he should not be an outfielder, and I hope that the Angels would realize that. You finally. know what would be good, though, is if we move the left field fence in, and then he wouldn't have to do Like at Minute Maid, he's not bad at Minute Maid because there's just no opportunities for him to go back on on line drives over his head. If it's, if it's a fly ball, he can either catch it or it's out of the park. Yeah, so that's true. That's but something we else would... we could do. Pad some trout stats, move in the fences, have some 16 to 15 games. Expand the trout farm. Yeah, exactly. Look into it, Angels. And then also move the yellow line back. Yeah, I like seeing... I mean, it depends on if we keep Calhoun, because he 
the way he plays balls off the wall, he limits a lot of doubles into singles and throws runners out. So that's that's definitely an added bonus for us. And we have well, he's also the only one who takes advantage of the yellow line. But but he doesn't though because he hits fly balls, not liners. He's literally the only one who hits it on the wall above the yellow line on our team. I'm just nobody saying, else uses it. I'm just saying the potential for him hitting the yellow line is so slim because now a lot of his home a lot of his home runs are fly balls. But yeah, well, I the, agree. we yeah. don't know what the ball is going to look like next year. Again, back to that conversation. I just don't think MLB can make a defin- uh, a quick change back. I think it's going to last at least one more season after this. So. I think they should make it rounder. I think it should fly further, and I think that. <laughs> Just kidding. I think that maybe they should try using a golf ball. If they want to set new records. <laughs> I think they should move the fences in, make them super high, and go to the rounder ball. So just balls off the wall for days. And aluminum bats. Yeah, someone will get hit in the head pretty bad. Anyway, so thank you for joining us, everybody. <laughs> On this. Um, I hope you appreciated the. Um, mid ad roll that we employed this time like 10 minutes ago and (laughs) we we also hope that you join us next week when we talk about um some more random crap uh jessica might be around this time to uh reel us in um we like not having her here (laughs) we like it a lot oh i was not supposed to say that out loud Oh, oh we we love jessica right Jessica is beloved by all fans of the Angels. And all staff. Um, and Max Stassi. <laughs> Max Stassi correct. loves her. We need Max, Jessica to, to moderate us. Max Stassi and Jessica DeLine are mutually um, super, super stands. Um, they stand each buds. other. Best buds. Yes. So please join us next time. Um <laughs> After we go ahead and completely blow the next couple series, um, we look forward to seeing you guys. Have a great day. We value your ears. (laughs) Bye-bye. Goodbye. Your ears are valued. Bye.